This is episode 76 of the Steady Trade Podcast with your host, Tim Bowen. It certainly seems to be kind of on the tips of, of, of everybody's tongues right now. And Stephen Johnson. The young buck with the shiny white teeth, but also shiny because I'm British. Today, the guys ask the question, is the market heading for a crash? A market correction, I would call it. All right, okay, fine. Is the market heading for a correction? There's a song for it that goes, I'm free, free falling. Well, maybe it is. Of course, it also rains every time Tim Bowen washes his car. And after recording today's episode, the market trends reversed and Tim had another green day. How did he do it? Listen in to find out. Welcome back to the Steady Trade Podcast. Feels a little bit like Groundhog Day because we keep on saying the same introduction, but it's different days when we say it. Although something is different today, and it's been coming a while, and I've been warning the eternal Tim Bowen, who is eternally long the market. I've been warning him about this. The the salty old veteran, the the young the young buck, the young buck with the shiny white teeth, but aren't so shiny because I'm British. It's a uh, there's a song for it that goes, I'm free, free falling. The market is coming down. <laughs> it's coming down, right? Do you admit yeah, yes. You know, as, as much as it pains <laughs> me to, pains me to admit, um, we are definitely really looks like we're heading into a market correction, I would call it. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we chose this topic today is, it certainly seems to be kind of on the tips of, of, of everybody's tongues right now. Um, you know, I, I, I actually picked the topic today because over the weekend I had friends, I had family, I had, I, I, I don't, I don't believe you. You had friends? No. no. Well, you know, pro, pro members am, or like real I ones. I am a hermit, but, <laughs> but had, you know, I had several people, you know, just kind of say, Hey, is the market crashing? Is the market crashing? And remember, you know, is again, I have been very bullish the last few years, especially kind of 2015, 2016 forward up until that point from, you know, in my professional trading career from 2008 until that 2015 window, I was pretty bearish. But remember, the market is a gauge of sentiment. And I kind of what what kind of got me thinking, OK, maybe we need to talk about this is, again, I like to call them civilians, you know, you know, people that don't actively day trade like Steven and I, or many of, many of you are watching the market every day. I mean, most people don't watch every day. And when those civilians start saying, Hey, what's going on out there? That tells me maybe there's a little bit of fear out there and, you know, and fear brings selling, selling brings more selling. And then that's what brings market crashes. So. Yeah, and I mean, I'd just like to say, I mean, call me a caterpillar in hibernation to become a flourishing butterfly. But I would like to think that if the 255 level breaks, I was just looking at it before, it, it, it touched two, I mean, it obviously so it touched you, about. Stephen, he's, he's referencing the SPY, which is the SP 500. Yeah, the SPY. Uh, I saw the S&P 500 and in February and in March, it flirted with 255. It might have dropped to two, th- two, Two four, what was it? Two five five. So two five three ish. Two five three, two five four. Um, and obviously it recovered on that day. It's the bottom end of the wick. Might have been two five three, two five four. 
Uh, but but it, it went on to run to all-time highs. So it's not like it's a definite bearish market crash, but uh, we've saw some ugly days and the bounces haven't recovered. Yeah, and you know, and again, I just and we'll see. Remember, nobody know nobody knows anything, and we're going to talk about how to react because there are trading opportunities in every market. I guess what's different for me, and as much as it is, it pains me to capitulate and say that okay, maybe, <laughs> maybe we are and heading into a changing market again. Is that fact that I'm getting asked by people that? don't necessarily actively trade the markets. I mean, have you seen that? I mean, are you getting questions? Because people, I mean, you've got friends, family, whatever that know you day trade. Yeah. Are you getting like questions at work and stuff like that or not? No, I mean, none of my no. friends have any money. None of my friends have any money. So it's not, it's not like, I mean, you're, you're a little bit older. You're a family man. You're in your forties, fifties. How old are you? You're in your forties, fifties. You're in. Uh, I'll be 45 in a month. So are you really at 45? You still, yes, you still yeah, look young. Yeah. You still look young. Um, uh, yeah. I mean, when you're in your forties, fifties, people are starting to put money in the stock market, obviously to invest it. They know that the market never ultimately does go down. So, I mean, it, it does, but it always recovers. So the story goes, uh, but for me, I mean, I got a lot of, que- I've got, I got a lot of questions in the Bitcoin era because it's a lot of like young people with a few hundred pounds, few hundred dollars, and they're like, wow, well, maybe this is a, maybe this is the only legitimate get rich quick scheme. But, uh, yeah, as, as for the market, no, no, nobody's asked, but I can see it looks like a lot of people could lose a lot of money. Yeah. And, and just as an FYI. So again, I don't, you know, and we've talked about this in past episodes. I don't really care what the market does because even though I'm an active day trader, swing trader, I am not a long term investor. I have no exposure long term to the markets. Um, you know, I put when, when I, you know, when I have a good year, when I, when I profit well in any of my enterprises, you know, I, I put that money into real estate. You know, my, my retirement is in real estate basically, um, because of the fact that as the jaded old veteran, you know, I don't trust the market long-term and yeah, it's, you know, it's one thing where you have those buildups into 2008 and then it tanks and sure where we were at all time highs again this year, but many people, it took years and years and years to recover. I would rather be liquid. I would rather trade what's in front of me, stuff that we talk about every episode. And then I squirrel that money away in real estate because I think that that is, you know, one of the few, well, and anything can happen. I mean, obviously real estate prices go up and down, but at the end of the day, people need someplace to live. People need, you know, uh, housing. They, you know, there's always going to be value in real estate unless something, you know, really goes bad. I mean, if you're, if you're in the episode, if, if you're Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead, I don't think Rick really had any much value in his real estate at that point. But assuming things don't completely unwind, that's where I put my money long term. And that's what I recommend to anybody. So. Yeah. And I mean, I, I don't really know much about real estate, but I mean, there's two points that I want to bring up one. And, and I saw a BBC interview in 2008 uh, when the financial crisis originally hit and it was a, a stock trader and he, and he flew all over the news. He was a financial, one of the banking stock traders and he, and he was very candid and honest. And he said, um, do you know what it is? A shitload of people are going to load a shit, lose a shit ton of money. But all those bankers, we want the market to collapse. We're, we're going to jump on this. Traders, institutions, finances will make a ton of money when the market goes down and the market goes up because of volatility. 
it's only the real people who will actually lose. The real people will lose out the civilians. every time. <laughs> the civilians will lose out every time. The traders, the bankers, the hedge funds, they'll, they'll make money both ways. They almost want the market to crash because of the volatility that it brings. Yeah, and you know, and it's gotten to the point where, especially, I, I'm you know, and we've we've talked about this a little bit. I mean, November was dreadful. I, I actually, you know, even though many many of the paper trading com- competitors did well, <laughs> I was kind of I was surprised <laughs> because, man, as I sat there through November, I'm like, man, you poor guys got like the shaft when it comes to a month for day trading, but it also shows you there's, op- there's always opportunity there. You just need to know how to recognize it and capitalize on it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and it's still not like, it's still not super easy because although the market's bearish, you can, it can still be choppy on the way down. So, I mean, cause for me, what I've always been, what I've been trying to do over the last couple of months is just have a bit of a more well-rounded game. So if, if there's great opportunities in the penny stocks and I want to nail them, I took a nice trade today. You saw it on the chat, yep. AX, whatever it was. Um, yep. AXSM was a nice little biotech show. Not, not up a ton, but, but it, it had a history of, of gapping and failing. Um, but, but then when the penny stocks are quiet, it's nice to jump on some of the other some of the other stocks and it's still difficult the market's choppy on the way down yeah and you know and so what so what let's talk about you know some of the setups we look for so i i guess let's kind of summarize where we're at so you know we're we're down under twenty four thousand on the dow as of today you know we've had you know going back to last week we're recording this episode December 10th, you know, you go back to last week, we had, I think a down, this is on the down at the SPY, but um, I think we had a down 700 day, we had a down 500 day, we had a down a couple hundred point day, today we've got a down four or 500 point day, and it's just the middle of the day. So, you know, it's like, you start seeing where there looks to be a trend. Now, the one caveat is, you look at where we're at, and as ugly as it's been the last couple of weeks, we're still basically at levels from this spring. You know? yeah, so yeah. it's like, so it's like, don't get as much as I love being a day trader and love being agile and zoomed in on the market. There's also value in zooming out a little bit and be like, whoa, you know, Tim, Tim, and Stephen are talking, you know, market crash, market crash, and. Back in February, everybody was losing their minds because it was new highs, new highs, new highs. So it's like, yeah, we erased a lot of those gains, but it ain't over till it's over either. So, no, and I mean, I, I, I definitely welcome the volatility, and I, I'd welcome the volatility. Well, that's what I've been seeing for a while in Stocks to Trade Pro is I'm like, just let's. If it's gonna crash, let's just freaking do it. You know, it's that back to I kind of got off tangent there you know going back to november i mean november we would gap up and fade all day then we'd gap down and grind up all day and it was like it felt like november nothing ever happened so yeah if we're gonna crash let's just eat dirt and then we can start looking to buy these bounces or you know and we'll talk about these ideas and these concepts you know or looking to short you know the best part is when the market's down every day you're missing those animal spirits. You're missing that irrational exuberance. I mean, one of the reasons we love these low price stocks so much is everybody loses their minds because they're bullish, bullish, bullish. 
and I go back to 2008, 2009, when nine out of 10 of my trades were shorts, it's just, you get, you get the stock that spikes on news. I mean, they'll, you know, nine out of 10 of them just fade all day. So shorting becomes a little air quotes easier. Yeah. And, and I mean, and that's where I've been probably particularly happy because in a bullish market, even the fluffiest rubbish can still end up running. The, and, and it probably what, kind what of, we've seen in, what well, we've seen in, you know, 2017 and early 2018 is it was almost like the more BS the news was, the more likely they <laughs> yeah. were to run, you know. No, and I mean, I'm not saying that can't happen in a bearish market because there will always be a time when there's a little bit too much volume and, and, and shorts go in a little bit too early and then they end up panic covering on top of themselves. Like, I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm saying in terms of penny stocks, there's so much kind of scaredness in the market. There's a bit, there's so much kind of fear that people are taking gains earlier stocks are not holding as well and uh, if it's a downtrend and bad penny stock in the first place then people are going to run for it and then if it's a kind of a higher price stock they'll just naturally go down when the market's going down as well so you can kind of win short both ways from from what i see but it's still not easy it's still not super easy Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's why I always make sure, you know, I, I try and avoid saying easy. I'll, I will try and say easier. That's not, but yeah, yeah. But, but I mean, the lower price ones, when the fundamentals are bad, when the volume's low, when they've got a history of failing and the market's bearish, they kind of are more the give me ones. They're kind of more the give me ones if you can catch them. But for the higher price stocks, I've found that the market still bounces. The SPY or the Dow will still bounce. And when it bounces, if it bounces more than you expect, then you've still got to respect your stop loss. So you, you can get chopped out still, I've, I've found. Yeah, so um, so what I'm looking for, well, we could probably kind of break this down because, again, Steve yeah. and I have setups. different philosophies and, and different ideas. So, yeah, the setups I'm looking for, assuming the market stays, you know, quote, unquote, there shitty for 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 the time being excuse the language but uh you know i am you know it's been a long time since i've looked to short these low price stocks um anything under five bucks i basically have not even considered shorting for really about two years now and if we continue to sell off every day that's going to change i'm going to look for those you know everything steven looks for every day you know um, that, that spike, a, a long-term downtrending chart, a spike into some sort of resistance, ideally like a whole dollar, half dollar. I'm going to hope they have fluff news. I'm going to hope they're not in a hot sector because I mean, you're still going to get sector trends no matter what the market does. There's oh everybody's going to be looking for the latest hot thing. So, um, assuming marijuana, you know, again, marijuana spiked and then has been a little choppy again, but you know, let's, let's guess, let's speculate that marijuana stays hot kind of through the end of the year. I'm going to be looking for non marijuana spikers that are, that are up, you know, that 40, 50, 100% that are long-term down trending charts. The news isn't great. And I'm going to look to fade those. I mean, I say, one of the best setups, and I know this doesn't always work for Steven, is that late day idea. Um, you're looking for these big gainers um, that have failed DWAP. They've, they've broke the day lows. You know, they're breaking these key levels. And the nice thing about it, especially if you're under the PDT, is you can kind of, a lot of these stocks that are closing weak in an ugly market 
a lot of them gap down the next day. So you can kind of conserve your day trades. Um, so I'm going to look to do that. that that's going to be one of my kind of assuming the market stays ugly. I'm going to be much more aggressive shorting the low price stuff than I have been in years. Then on the long side, um, I've been looking to buy breakouts for, you know, again, two plus years now, looking for those story stocks, looking for those stocks breaking those 52 week highs. Now, what I'm going to be looking for is dip buys to support basically. So, um, you know, I, I've been kind of, and I, I shouldn't say dip buy. I mean, a lot of the times when people talk about dip buys, that's a stock that's down huge. I should say just a stock that's, you know, that's been long-term uptrending, like say an AMD, um, which has been a good one. A Microsoft is another one, a little higher priced, but looking for these stocks that have uptrended for the last year or so, they've pulled back, they've consolidated support, and then looking to buy with risk off that. So, um, we saw a very ugly earnings season this last October. Man, I don't know if we had more than one or two great earnings stocks. So those are going to be my main two setups. I'm going to be looking to aggressively short the low price stuff. And I'm going to be now looking for those uh, dip buys to support. And on that note, I'll let Steven go after this long monologue. Oh. But um, I've got a plug. And this is uh, actually... Uh, Technical analysis using multiple time frames by Brian Shannon. Um, Google Brian. Um, we're going over this book mainly as kind of like a textbook fashion in Stocks to Trade Pro. And, you know, a lot of this is, is trend and chart based stuff. So I would like to, uh, have Brian on as a guest at some point. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be looking to employ a lot of the techniques in this book where we're looking at support and resistance levels to buy off of. No, nice. And, and that's something that I need to, um, I need to try and get a hold of as well. And I'll, I'll have a read through it hopefully before he comes on. But, uh, for me, in terms of the stock market, uh, there, there's a few things that will change. I mean, I'm still, I've, I've been burned so many times shorting these gappers, these pre-market gappers. So I'm, I'm a lot more conservative over them. You'll notice that today's gapper that I was short did not pass 300,000 shares in the pre-market before, before the market opened. And I even covered, I, I covered in the first 10 minutes because it went a bit wild in the first, in the first 10 minutes, it was crossing the million in the first 15 minutes. I'm like, I'm out. I'm out. I don't even care if I'm getting out in the strength. Stop it. So I'm a lot more careful, which goes back to the psychology of what you were saying last time. Sometimes you learn to be a little bit too careful for your own good. But it will save your ass other times, you know what I mean? And it reminds us to a story that I read in one of the trading books where one of the famous, famous, famous hedge fund managers, Jack, I can't remember, Spiro or something like that. can't remember the guy's name. But he, he, one of the top, top, top veteran world famous hedge fund managers who'd made billions of dollars, hired a rookie, brought him up above everyone else who'd worked there for 20 and 30 or 40 years in Goldman Sachs or whatever the company was. And he said, I want you because you'll have the balls to be bullish. And I'm so hasty in this market. I've been burned so many times that your balls and my, my careful attitude will balance out. And maybe you will be a good team. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if you, I don't know if there's anything to say on that, but it, I thought it was just a really good story. But, um, for, for me, yeah, I'll, I'll be shorting stocks with low volume, low price stocks with low volume, with a history of gapping and failing with news that's either fluff or it's kind of biotech news because this biotech companies are always, always failing. 
and it's got to be a 10, 15 million plus float and they've got to have financials that show that they are bleeding, bleeding, bleeding money, like five, 10, 15 million a quarter. Like everything has to be a negative side because it's too dangerous. Short and front side of the move, day one on news, uh, anything can happen. And I've been, I've been torched so many times. So it, every single indicator has to say this sucker is going to go down. You know what I mean? Otherwise yep. you, you can't let one slip. Well, I tell um, you, you know, I think that's, you know, as much as I kind of, for lack of a better term, talk smack on short selling, it's not that I'm against it. It's just, I see so many people not doing oh, yeah. exactly what you said. You know, it's, it's the classic, Oh, it's up too much. You know, why they're short. I mean, if you can sit there and build that case, put together all those criteria, that's how you get consistent shorting. But if you just show up at, you know, nine twenty five AM, look at the biggest gainer and start shorting it because you think it's a piece of crap. Good luck. I mean, you've got to take all those things into consideration because then doesn't mean you're going to make money on it. doesn't mean the trade's going to work, but at least you put the odds in your favor. I mean, if you're just randomly picking some big gainer, good luck. You're really going to need it. No, and I mean, trust me, I've, I've had this burnt into me and I'll still make the, the mistake again, probably. Sure. You know how it is, but I've had it burnt into me that sometimes you'll make compromises and think, you know what it is? It's a quiet day. So even though it's got a bit higher volume than normal, I'll let that go. Or, do you know what it is? I'm on a good winning streak. I'll not check the financials. Or, or everything's back, gapping and going down. I'll just not check the news this time. Or, uh, it's, it's, uh, it doesn't normally gap down. And, and it is, it is money Monday, the, the time that the stocks generally drive, but I'll just give it a shot because it's the only gap. Out. These, these compromises you cannot make. And you will, whether it takes six months or one year or two years, it will get bent into you because you'll lose over and over. Yeah, it's like, you know, I, I get that question a lot. It's like, okay, you know, Tim, you talk about these things. Steven talks about these things. How do I get to the point where it clicks? And I mean, I wish I had a better answer, but ultimately you just have to keep making these stupid mistakes until you get to the point where you're yeah. like, I'm done. I am not going to do that anymore. And hey, I, I was there too, you know, making those, you know, same mistakes where you'd go, you know, two steps forward or one step forward, two steps back, one step forward, two steps back. And you're like, I know how to trade. I know all these things. Why do I keep screwing it up? And that's where you have to get to the point where you're like, damn it. If I don't step through, that's why I talk about these checklists all the time. I push them on people in stocks trade pro every day. I'm like, use the sheet, use the sheet. That sheet doesn't guarantee you'll make money, but at least that freaking sheet guarantees you'll check off all the boxes. And then you're at least improving your odds of success. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it's, it's such a, it's such a nice evolution to have if people look through the podcast, because you used to joke a lot. You used to be like, Steven, you just short anything that's up. Steven shorts anything. Steven, that's his strategy. Short anything. And it kind of was, it kind of was. And then that strategy evolved from shorting anything to shorting things that mostly fit criteria to then shorting things that only fit the absolute finite specific criteria. And the only way I could get around it was and to it, try and, and we, try we and haven't, we haven't had an episode with you with a noose around your neck, getting ready to kick the chair out from under <laughs> in a while, in a while, not, not saying we won't have another one in the future, but it's been a while. But 
But just just to finish this, in case anyone else is in the the same position as me, is when when you when you develop when you find a successful strategy trading, you kind of only know one way to make money. I only unless you like some ducks or Britannia or Roland or whatever. I found that I knew one simple way to make money. I found a I found one edge for me. But then well, I think that's important. Finding- because you're a part-time trader. I mean, a lot of that, I mean, it's like you talk about the ducks and the Gratanis with all these different techniques. They got all day. They got all day. You got like 20 minutes each morning. So. Yeah. But I mean, so for me and for like a lot of people though, you'll find one strategy that works at one specific time period. And then if that strategy doesn't come, you'll start just trying to make it work. Even in situations where it doesn't work, you'll start compromising the strategy. So what I've, what I've had to do really is, is develop a bit more of a well-rounded strategy, find the second setup that works or the third setup that works. And, and it, it takes a long time. It took me a good two years, but I'm finally at the point where if that gap, uh, gap and crap with all the right settings doesn't come, it's okay because there's kind of another strategy that I can employ. And that, that, that's a, a transition and a growth for me. I'm not saying I'm going to kick ass and run to the hills, but. It's just my latest progression of how I've learned to cope with not compromising that gap. Was that, gap was, that an, was that an Iron Maiden reference or not? I, I didn't. I don't know what. I'll run to the hills. <laughs> no, not deliberately, but it kind of was. I'm glad that's what you picked out of the whole thing. I I, I hope the producer makes a point to insert some Iron Maiden as you're, <laughs> as, you're as you're talking about. One of, maybe one of my favorite. Probably. Yeah, probably. Well, probably my second favorite Iron Maiden song. But anyway, go ahead. I need to listen to him anymore. But anyway, in, in this kind of more bearish market, if the market stays bearish, I'll still be shorting gappers with all of the criteria that I've mentioned. And that's on the lower price. And because that's mainly what I do on the lower price. And, and of course, if I say like a 50% parabolic on day one and the shares to borrow at IB and it's gapping down the next day, for sure, I'll, I'll short a 4% gap down at the market open, risk off the high of day of the previous day, and, uh, and generally they do come down. You know, that's Stuff something like that. That you don't talk much about, and well, I should say neither of us talk much about, is, you know, that that day two, day three type idea. You know, that is, that's a huge, I mean, I mean, I think, especially as a new short seller, I mean, if you can avoid the FOMO of day one, Damn it! There's a lot of opportunity day two, day three. Yeah, and and honestly, I, I can tell you the reason why straight away because I've tracked I've tracked day day two, day three, day four. I've tracked the the percentages that they've parabolic uh, and the the percentages of the probability that on which day they'll come down and when and even how they'll come down, uh, whether they'll 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 double top at resistance or whether they'll just gap and fail. I've tracked, I've tracked all of the data and I know the percentages and the probability, but the problem is, and the reason it hasn't been addressed is because you can only generally get the shares on day one with most brokers unless it's a higher float. And if it's a higher float, it doesn't have these big moves because it takes more volume to move the, to move the stock, right? Um, so you, you only get these big moves on these lower floats and right. these lower floats run out of shares. And that's kind of something, you know, the reason you brought that up, you know, it's kind of funny because I think back to, again, that 2008, 2009, 2010 window, the, what I call the good old days, you know, these were the days when 90%, well, I don't know about the number, a, a high percentage didn't even think you could short these low price stocks. I mean, this is, this is the old crusty 
salty veteran showing, you know, I remember back then, I mean, it was like, you know, Tim Sykes was, was the only person talking about shorting these stocks because people thought you couldn't. And that is one of the reasons when people ask, you know, why did you move away from this strategy? It's again, because a couple of years ago, quote unquote, yeah. air, air quotes again, everybody decided they wanted to short these stocks. So what started happening was you started seeing these ridiculous squeezes and that I'm not saying that time yeah. is gone yet because we still saw yeah. last week, you know, we saw some multi hundred percent runners 100%. that should yeah. not have been up that much. And it was nothing but short fuel. Then the flip side is it gets so damn frustrating because you're like, Oh man, I found the perfect short. But like you said, the borrows are all gone unless you're at the sketchiest of the sketchy broker, which then, you know, that creates all kinds of issues as well. So that is one of the reasons. And, and I don't know if we've ever really talked about that on, on two years of the podcast that I don't necessarily talk to new traders about because number one, you get smoked early. And number two, you sit there and you wait and you wait and you try and be the sniper. And then you go to hit the sell button, the short button. And it says, you know, order denied, no borrows. Now you just wasted a freaking day and a half. You did nothing. Well, you did something. You watched the freaking stock for a day and a half. And now, you know, you can't capitalize on it. Yeah. And so basically the only niche that I've been able to find short these days is a stock up that is so weak that it is guaranteed to come down on the first day because every indicator points. Or a stock that's a higher float, and it's somewhere in the middle. It's a twenty, thirty million float, but it's also it's 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 not high enough to not have borrows the float, but it's also low enough a float to kind of have a bit of a parabolic move, right. and and that's kind of that's the kind of the niche as well. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah. So, but my strategy for bearish markets is definitely to short uh, the 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 gap as with with slightly higher floats to get the borrows with with every single indicator possible pointing that it's going to come down that day. Uh, the sec the second strategy that I apply look for is uh, with some of the higher priced ones. I kind of look for it being up one or two days, uh, and it's about to bump its head on some resistance, and it's already up a couple of days. So if the stock's up a couple of days and it's about to bump its head into some daily resistance. And the overall market's coming down. I've got kind of like three bearish factors. Uh, and then all I need to do is look for the, the double top intraday or the lower high that, intraday. That's kind and of that's the fourth. That's kind of, you've been with like Facebook and Twitter. You've that, that's kind of your, uh, you, those are the, those are kind of your go-tos, aren't they? Yeah. Like I've, I've been Facebook and Twitter. I've been trained for a couple of years on and off just practicing, but like Facebook, Twitter, Microsoft, Roku, Nvidia, AMD. Uh, Netflix and Taylor Wire are a bit low float, so they're a bit more scary to trade. Um, yeah, the, these kind of stocks and like, I, I'm not, I'm not, I'm no, I'm not a master of them at, at, at any way. I mean, when I was trading them last month, I took a, I took a small, on the whole month, I took a small profit trading them. And then this last week and this week, I've been tr- profitable. Um, apart from one day when I got really drunk and messed up, but apart from that day when I got really drunk and traded, like I was profitable last month trading the higher price ones. So far this month, I'm profitable trading the higher price ones, but not, not by a lot, but I've still got a long way to go. But for me, it's, it's very much trying to be a well-rounded trader, mastering the penny stocks, mastering some of the higher price ones so I can work in both markets. 
but yeah, and the, and the third strategy is looking for the divergence uh, between the market and the stock. So for example, we saw, um, what was the stock, uh, the crazy weed smoke, uh, Tesla. You notice that Tesla, like you, you'll watch Tesla. Tesla, although it's kind of triple topped on the annual chart, Tesla has been quite active and it's been quite bullish, even though the, the market has been quite bearish. Mm-hmm. So forever, I kind of can see some divergence between the spy and, and, and the stock that I'm looking at. Sometimes I'll go, I'll try and take a double bottom at support or something like that long. Well, I tell but you that's what, it. I, I have three strategies. What I, I, I've said this for month, well, not years, probably, man. I, you know, as much as, you know, I, I love Elon Musk. I'm a big fanboy. you know, love the idea of Tesla. <laughs> you hit them, right? No, no, no. I, I, I think I, I love the guy. So, but, but my point is I just wish that Tesla was a $3 and 50 cent stock instead of a $359 stock, because I mean, just everybody just gets torched trying to short this. And man, if it only <laughs> yeah, was yeah, a three yeah. or $4 stock, <laughs> God damn, it would be great. So <laughs> no, I've, I've seen, I've seen people, I've seen like, cause you know, when people are getting torched because you get the big green candle, right? It's inches, yep. inches, inches, inches. And then you get a big green candle. That is all the shots getting stopped out. Yep. I've seen people get torched on Netflix and torched on Tesla quite a lot, but, but for sure, for sure. Uh, your strategy of of when you see a stock on day one or two spike in and in, and then it'll hold through the day and if you see that crack at two p.m. Yep. Uh, then uh, you can you can just risk high of day and it's such an easy swing shot because you've got your set risk you shorten pretty much at your set risk because it's just cracked so it's down half a percent and you're risking half a percent really one percent max. Yeah, it's I such you, a you know, safe that- good strategy. That's something I beat the desk on all the time is, you know, if you want to short, that's cool. I mean, I think everyone should have the skills to trade, you know, both long and short. But man, I tell you, I just, I beg, beg, beg people, you know, just wait for those late day cracks because what's so great about it is you've got that, you know, if you're listening, you can jump over to YouTube. I'm doing the hand gesture thing. But, you know, you've got, like Steven said, you've got that great stop at the high of the day. And so many of these stocks do what we call the high a day reject where they spike early, consolidate. Usually they'll have some lame low volume spike midday that they fail to break out. And then everybody just runs for the exits. You know, the momentum longs want out or the shorts are adding in. Everybody's like, here it comes. And what's great about it is it gives you such a clear stop. Um, I love, you know, idiot proof stops. I mean, again, I've been doing this for almost 12 years now, but I love it when it's a crystal clear freaking stop where it's like, I call it an idiot stop because if, if you're watching it and it breaks that level, you're calling yourself an idiot for not covering, you know, it's like, it's like crystal clear. You should be out of this stock. And trust me, I call myself an idiot a lot. We'll go back to last month, week, week's episode, but, um, you know, that it's just, it's just obvious to almost everybody that if you're in a momentum stock with news on day one and it breaks the high of the day, you need to cover. So I think it's easier. That <laughs> yeah. <you know>. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and we never do. And I've <laughs> I never do it. And that's why, that's why I show the ones that I don't think are going to break high of day now because it's hard to cover. 
if you're if you're a gambler. But but just the, the one final point that I want to make, and maybe a tip to other people is, you, you're stressing so much exits. You're stressing so much when your when the stock hits your exit, you've got to get out. And then so what I would say just to just to add on and build that point is, make sure that you have a bloody good entry. So you give your exit enough room that you know that when you do stop out, the stock's gone the wrong to the wrong direction for sure. And what I have started to do, and it's really helped me a lot in my trading, is if I see a stock kind of top at a resistance level, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take the short there. I'd rather reject it, came back down, and I'd more look for the double top. And what I've started to do is just put a very I mean, obviously I'm with interactive brokers, it's only a dollar a share. If I see potential double tops or lower high setting up, I'll put a very small order in right at the double top. And then, and I'll not look at the screen. And when I hear order filled, it means I've got the perfect price of the double top. I've not chased it down. I've not got FOMO. I've not thought it's missing out. I'll get alerted at the perfect price. And then obviously my risk is tiny because if it blows through the double top, then I'm out. Yep. If it nudges above the double top, I've got such a good entry on the double top that I'll give it a couple of seconds, you know what I mean? To see if it'll fail. Um, and that, that's really helped me not get form or just say, right, I'll play the double top, but I'm only playing it if I get the double top because yep. a lot of traders edges are one or 2% in the market. So if you're compromising that one or 2%, you're going to, you, that's your profits. No, I love that idea. You know, that's called the, you know, I, it's, it's a stop limit order. I call it a stop trigger order where I, you know, I, again, I did that for years and years, especially when I was part time, I would set those, uh, you know, those short limit orders at that level that I thought it could hit. And then I would just, yeah. uh, you know, I would have a, a text message alert on my phone and that way I'm like, Oh shit. I, you know, again, I was a business owner. I could run back to the desk, but if I got that text, that, you know, X, Y, Z just hit that level. I'd run back and be like, okay, I'm in this thing. Now I got to manage the trade. But by doing that, I determined my entry. You know, I didn't let emotions take control of me. I didn't read what you were doing or someone else were doing. I was like, Hey, as I walk away, this is my plan for the afternoon. If I get that double top, if I get that high a day reject, that's my entry. And that is my entry. That's the only place I will enter that trade. And I think that discipline had, had served me well, especially yeah. when I was part-time because I just couldn't sit there for six hours and hope it came to me. So, yeah. And I mean, and there's, there's arguments that maybe you can like, I mean, I don't know about you. I mean, I'd be really interested to hear actually, but say for example, the opening one minute candle when volume comes in and it spikes and then you get an immediate wick and it really rejects hard, then you can read that it's a little bit bearish and you've got that kind of, uh, the superstar candle, right? Like probably going back to the technical analysis book. But my question to you is, can you really read the one minute candles when you're like 10, 30 in the afternoon and you're thinking, is it going to double top? Is it not? Do you know what I mean? Can you really read that candle? I, I say no, <laughs> you know, that's a, you know, for me, yeah. I watch one minute candles kind of through the open, but at nine forty five, I'm nothing but five minute candles. I say, ignore. Yeah, really? Yeah. So, yeah. Cause you're not like, Oh my God, the minute it's rolling. Over. I mean, sometimes you can kind of say it rolling over. Sometimes you can, but yeah, it just takes one bite to push it up. I don't think consistently. Yeah. You know, now if you're nah, like, you can't really 
yeah, if you're like some insane scalper and, and you and you and you've developed <laughs> that skill, but I just don't think there's an edge there. So yeah, certainly not for people who are, but for beginner traders, for average traders, if you want a good entry that creates a good exit, then just just put your put your stop limit order in, right? Or your order limit, whatever you call it. So then the last thing I'd want to close on is I touched on this a little bit before, but remember the beauty of showing up every day, the beauty of listening to the steady trade podcast, the beauty of using stocks to trade, the beauty of being stocks to trade pro is you always know what's going on in the market. So the last thing I would, you know, especially if, you know, again, I know many of you listeners are part-time or are new traders you're not sitting there, you know, 40 hours a week staring at screens. Focus on those hot sectors still. Um, I look at Cron today. Now, I mean, the markets have gotten destroyed the last three or four days. But if you go back to the, the episode that aired today on December 10th, we actually recorded it a week ago. We talked about the potential for news on these stocks. Cron was in the low tens at the time we recorded that podcast. It was over 13 on Friday, it's still holding at 1250. I mean, there are opportunities in the hot sector right now. You know, it could, you know, it could end tomorrow, but right now weed is still pretty hot. A lot of people, you know, are seeing these legalization changes and are looking for these stocks and Bev back on five, you know, there's a lot of news flow around. So um, if you're not looking to short junk, which if you're afraid of it, Good. I'm glad you're afraid of shorting junk. And if you're not necessarily, you know, if you've got a small account, I understand that kind of dip buying to support in these, you know, 30, 40, $50 stocks, you know, remember the rule of 10, but I know it can be hard with a small account. So moral of the story, my takeaway for you for, for right now is if the markets stay ugly, if we continue to have these five, six, 700 down days, uh, point down days, just dial in on, on the hot sectors and, and look to trade those stocks and ignore everything else. Yeah. And, and the only thing I would add is that you've got to do your due diligence to find these stocks as well. Uh, you, Cron was never on, I mean, obviously stocks to trade, you've got the screeners, but it was, it, it was never like one day top percent gainer, number one, right in front of your eyes. Cron is the stock to play today. It just wasn't. You have got a list of weed stocks. You've been going through them every day. Cron's up 4%. You're like, that's a multi-week breakout. And, and there's some volume. In the, you, you made that thesis, right? Yep, yep. And, and setting news alerts too. So I've got that list. You know, So what's cool in Stocks to Trade is you can set alerts on a watch list if there's news. So um, I only follow, you know, and again, I'm a little different. You know, I only follow the higher price weed stocks, you know, the, the two, three dollars and up. So I've only got a handful on the weed watch list and then I just set news alerts. And when I hear that alert go off and, and last week, you know, Altria, you know, yeah. a billion, multi-billion dollar corporation, that's a trade you look to make. And, you know, and Cron's still in play today. Yeah, I, I just, I just, uh, just for all of the new people out there, I just want to make the case that it's trading, as I've learned over the years, it's, it's quite complex in the fact that you can't just look at the top percent gainer and guess the momentum. You can't just say, oh, it's making new highs and it's the top percent gainer and it's got volume. 
it's much more complex than that. You've got to think of all of the indicators, which is in the Trader Checklist, which is one of my favorite DVDs, probably my favorite DVD, especially by Tim Sykes. Um, you've got to think, what's the market doing? What's the stock done in the past? What's the news? What's its volume? Which, uh, I, you know, remember we did a, uh, to the listeners, if you didn't listen to the, the we did a full yeah. series on Trader Checklist. But I also, I'm still very proud of, of season one of the Steady Trade podcast. When, when we started yeah. out, we were doing like That's seasons. Now we just do weekly episodes. But, uh, man, I, especially as a free resource, I'm very proud of that season one. You can go back in the archive, go back on YouTube, go back on iTunes. We kind of step through, I think it's like six or seven of these criteria and we do a, a podcast dedicated to each of them. So. Yeah. And, and other than that, I just wish everyone well, I wish everyone happy trading. We're in, it's uh it's for me, it's a, it's a very merry Christmas because we're getting a lot of volatility. It's a lot of fun and good times. And if some of this stuff that we're talking about goes over your head, just please, please, please stick in because eventually it will all make sense. Whether it takes six months or three years, it will all click together. Hi, this is Aaron, a.k.a. Double A Ron, from New York City. And I like to go outside and find a stray dog, preferably an aggressive breed like a pit bull or a rottweiler. Then I get real close, stare it down eye to eye, until it starts to chase me. Then I run. That's right, I run! While listening to Stephen and Tim on the Steady Trade Podcast. You can register to win real, actual prizes at their website, SteadyTrade.com. And if you really like what you hear, give the podcast a five-star rating and write a glowing review on iTunes. I did, and this is how we say goodbye in New York City. <laughs>